Hey, hey, welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. So glad to have you with us today. You can learn more on our website, fairmountfriends.church, or find our church app on Tithely. Let's go. What is something that you can have too much of in a church? A couple things immediately come to mind in this church is you can have too many pews in the hallways. You just can. You can have too many. You can have too many Indiana yearly meeting minutes books stored for years and years and years. We do a good job of that. But one thing that you can never have too much of is a servant's heart. And if a church would say, man, we've got so much, what would it be? People with a mindset that focuses on others, man, what a great problem to have is you ache and bleed for the thing that Jesus came to the earth for, and it's to lay your life down to to serve. Jesus says, I did not come to be served. I did not come as a consumer. I came to serve and to lay my life down for many. He also says it this way. He says that the greatest, if you want to be great, the greatest thing that you could do, the greatest among you is the servant of all. And so we think that perhaps the greatness of a church might be a worship team, or maybe it's the preacher, or who knows what the stuff on the stage. Can I say that this, all of this lasts for about 60 minutes? The other 170 hours of the week is spent serving people. That's what a ministry should be about. That is what our whole, and not just a ministry as far as a staff, it's a church on the move of serving the community in which it's been planted. And man, if you can have an abundance of a servant heart, we will make a massive impact. The thing is that servants just think differently. They don't think the same way as normal attendees or consumers. As we were talking about our wrestlers earlier, wrestlers just think different. Okay, so a few of them that we had, the four that went on, it's Grant Howard, it's Boston, Caldell, Trip Hazley, who, who else do we, and we got Nick, are you guys up there? Can those, can those guys stand? You guys just think differently. These, first of all, Boston's hair, he's totally thinking something different. <laughs> Grant, I'm glad that you're here. It's good to have you, man. Um, these guys think different, so they'll, they'll gain weight and then they'll shed weight they'll wear garbage bags to sweat and run around the school they'll spit as they're running to like lose more weight um they they are just a different breed right they think differently i heard this story this week about a mindset from our athletic director ryan plovic and he said that the school was all prepared for Boston to have his 100th career win at home to celebrate and to make this big deal and had potentially a conversation. I don't know if I'm saying this exactly correct, Boston, but I'm in the ballpark. I'm in the wrestling arena on this one. <laughs> Matt, circle. That it was something to the degree of, do you want to go to a different weight class that you could wrestle a guy that we know that you would get the victory or go against this other guy that is a tough match that Boston hasn't lost to anybody all season except to one kid, and this would be the kid. And do you want to go around him to get your 100th win at home? 
I'm 16, 17 years old, I'm like, I'm gonna pad the stats, baby. Like, give me some, some wins. Boston goes, I don't wanna duck anybody. I'll go against this guy. Like, well, you're not gonna get the, the, the potentially the 100th win at home. He goes, I don't care. I want to go against the best. I want the match. Bring it on. The maturity of a teenager that would do that and doesn't get the 100th win at home. What's the mindset? Come on. Let's go. I want the competition. I want to bring it. Goes to sectional with 99 wins going into sectional and gets the 100th victory in his sectional match. That's pretty cool stuff, right? That's pretty awesome. They just think differently about those sort of things. To have 100 wins in a career is unprecedented. It's never, it's never happened. His grandfather, who isn't proud at all, Dennis, says, Boston, what's the, what's the record of wins? And Boston goes, whatever I have. <laughs> I'm a walking record, Grandpa. I am the record. He just thinks different. You see, the, the Bible would say it this way, is as a man thinks... So he lives. And to the degree that you think about serving, that you think about, I'm not coming in as a consumer and I'm going to grade your paper and I'm, what is it that you have to offer me? I'm coming to lay my life down to serve others. What can I do for you? My mind is, is so far outside of me. I'll tell you, in the Christian life, we do not get this example from, from Jesus that we would just live for ourselves. Just kind of navel gaze and what's everybody going to do for me? The idea, and if, and if that's the way we live, that strategy, your life will be incredibly small. But when we have the thinking that I want to give it all away to others and impact the people around me, life has become exponentially great because now we've thought and that your life can outlive itself and your impact can get so much bigger because of the way you think. There's also a big difference, and I don't think that we see this in Scripture the word volunteer will never be seen in Scripture. There's a massive difference between a volunteer and a servant. A volunteer, sometimes they keep, they keep records. The school sometimes will call, hey, do you have any volunteer hours that we can record for students that are National Honor Society? We have a paper, and you sign it, and you record how much they gave because we want to volunteer. Servants don't keep records. Servants is like, it's, it's my life. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just another Tuesday. It's what we do. It's, it's Friday. It's what, it's what we do. I'm not looking. I've never had a conversation with Vicky where she's like, hey, and I want to like talk about like a paycheck, um, a, a wage. Can we uh, negotiate something here? She's not looking for an insurance plan. Whenever, the, whenever the, the 12 disciples, Jesus says, come and follow me, they didn't say, well, what's the insurance? What's the total package? Can we negotiate? He goes, I'm just, coming, I'm just asking you, are you in? Will you serve? So they dropped everything, dropped their nets, and they followed him. Sometimes volunteers like to keep record. There's a big difference between a, an employee and a servant. An employee brings an attitude and says, you're welcome that I showed up today. You should be grateful to have me on the team. The servant says, I'm just here and I'm thankful to be a part of the team. What is it that I can do? How can I serve? Servants think different. And many times it's not just what you do, but it's how you do it. Anybody ever told your kids to go clean their room? 
And they'll do it, and they'll just whine and cry and fuss and be mad the whole time, which was a joy to no one. <laughs> yes, did they do it? Yep, you did it. You got the job done. But it's how you did it. It was, it was such a nightmare to work with. Or it's how we do it is with joy and with grace and with energy and love and celebration and encouragement and preference to one another. It's not just what we do. It's also how we do. And one more thing. It's not just the what. It's not just the how. But I can say that it's the who. Serving is not what we do. A servant is who we are. Now it's no longer a task. It becomes an identity. This is who I am. I am a servant. It is what I do. Jesus, he identified with that. I have become a servant to all, and I will lay my life down for these. The Bible says that there's good works that are prepared for us even before time. And just asking the question, what are the good works that maybe the God, that God has prepared for me to do? What is the, the stuff that he wants me to walk in? Perhaps it's talking to our junior high and high school kids. Perhaps it's talking to our college students. Right now, what it looks like is maybe asking your teacher, is there anything I can do to help? It's going and asking a professor, um, do, you, do you need help watching your kids afterwards? Do you, do you and your wife want to go out on a date? Can I serve and can I help? Is there anything that you need to do to prep the class? I'm thoughtful of someone else and I want to serve and help them along the way. It's going up to the coach. Hey, coach, we need to get the balls out. We need to, we need to sweep the floor. We need to clean the locker room afterwards. To which every coach said, yes, please clean the locker room afterwards. Chill out on the Axe body spray, but just pick up your stuff. And let's clean Perhaps it looks like something small. You're like, man, what's the great works that God has prepared for me? I will tell you this. When you're walking into a store and there's trash along the way, just pick it up. If we can't be faithful with the little, why do we assume that he'll make us ruler over much? If we could handle the little stuff well, I believe that he'll be, okay, you're faithful with that, Brock. I see you. All right, let's increase a little bit. All right, I see you. All right, let's increase this a little bit. And all of a sudden, man, you kind of grow into some responsibilities, not because you're awesome, but because you hit the carpet and you went low and humble and just found a way to serve. When church is over, perhaps you're grabbing the wrappers and the, the bulletins and you're just kind of serving and you're just helping along the way. Who knows what it looks like for you, but I would just encourage, start with the little things. Start with the little things stuff. It's not, I'm not looking for any certain reward. I'm looking for a way that I can give and serve and give back. And I'll just tell you this, you will be rewarded. It's a heavenly reward. And also many times there's a reward on this side as well. Many times it looks like a relationship. It looks like a, a church family. It looks like a lot of love, support, and encouragement. I want to pull out this one man in scripture that we see in the Old Testament that got to roll with King David, and not because he was a mighty man of war, and not because he was a king, not because he was a nobleman, he wasn't a mayor, he wasn't a state rep, he had no prestige, and yet he rolled with King David because he had a servant's heart. 
In 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 9, I'll just set the stage a little bit. What's happening is they built the Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark of the Covenant had some special things. It had manna, which was like the, the showbread, the table of showbread. It had, it had Aaron's rod. It had uh, the lampstand. It had the golden altar of incense. It had these, these uh, big time kind of ceremonial ways to encounter the presence of the Lord. This is where the presence of the Lord was. And there was a certain way they had to carry these on rods. They had to carry them on their, their shoulders or, or how they, they would even put them on a cattle and how they're walking. Well, the cattle one day, as the Ark of the Covenant is walking, the cow trips and stubs his hoof, if you will, and begins to, to stumble. And uh, Uzziah lifts his hand to hold it and steady it, and he touches the Ark of the Covenant, and he drops dead. The power of the presence, so intense, it just... So David's freaking out. He's like, gosh, if we, I, I don't want any more men to die, and I'm freaked out a little bit by this thing. Let's like, drop this thing off at the next house, okay? Let's, let's, call, let's, let's Uber this thing out of here really, really fast. And so they drop it off at this guy's house. So we pick it up in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 9. It says, David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? Because, real quick, the ark of the covenant, the Philistines had taken it. And so now they're moving it back into the city of David. He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to him to the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of a man named Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Okay, the Gittite is a tribe of the Philistines, so he's not even a Jew. He's not even really branched in. He's the opposite, okay? He's a Philistine. He is like, this is, this, what's happening here is an IU guy and a Purdue guy. And they're saying, you know, which guy is going to do the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Lord remained at the house of Obed-Edom. The Gittite, can you imagine the presence of the Lord? UPS man drops it off at your house. Hey, can you sign for this real quick? What is it? Yeah, it's the presence of God. <laughs> okay. The Ark of the Lord remained at his house, uh, Obed-Edom the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire Household. Now, King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything that he has because of the ark of God. So David went up and he brought the ark in, uh, of God into the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with rejoicing. So the priests and the Levites, they conquer, uh, consecrated themselves in order to bring up the ark of the Lord of Israel. And the Levites carried the ark of the Lord with the poles on their shoulders as Moses had commanded in accordance with the word of God. David told the leaders and the Levites to appoint their fellow Levites and musicians, make a joyful sound with musical instruments, lyres, harps, and cymbals. So the Levites appointed uh, Heman, son of Joel, and his relatives. And we're going to list all of them. And then we come here to the bottom, go to the next slide, Obed-Edom. And Jael became the gatekeepers. He's just a doorkeeper. He's not even a priest. He's not a pastor. He's not anybody of any significance. He has the lowliest post, the lowliest station. He's just going to check people in at the door. Verse 19, the musicians. Um, uh, we're going to keep going here. We see Obed-Edom is listed again. Go to verse 22. Kaniah, the head Levite who was in charge of the singing. That was his responsibility because he was skilled at it. It's good to have skilled singers. And so they put him as the leader. Berechiah and Alkanah, they were the doorkeepers of the ark. Shebaniah, Josephat, Nethiel, Amasiah, 
Zechariah, Benaiah, and Eleazar, the priests, they would blow the trumpets before the ark of God, and Obed-Edom and Jahai were also the doorkeepers of the ark. How many of y'all think that we ought to worship the way that they worshiped back in these olden Bible days? Anybody okay with that? For real? Yeah, but for real. Clanging cymbals, blowing the trumpet, the harp and the lyre, those are the stringed instruments. Anybody want to do old school? I just wish we did old school worship. For real? Like how old? You going to pick a, a preference of a date that we want or we go all the way back, do it the way the Bible did. They had some music going. Here's what I want to point out. What I want to point out is Obed-Edom experienced the presence of the Lord, and he just wanted to be around it. I'll even be a gatekeeper if I can just get around the presence of the Lord. I just want to be close to it. I just want to be around it. We see time and time again the, 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 the temples open, Obed-Edom is there. And then they come in and they do a special service, and the doors were opened by Obed-Edom. You're like, well, who is this guy? And then they had this great movement, and, and guess who was there? The, the gatekeeper was Obed-Edom. And then they were getting the stringed instruments going, and guess who was up there? It was, it was Obed-Edom. And then guess who they're doing the singing? And Obed-Edom was up there. Anytime that we start seeing whenever David and his men were coming into worship, into the presence, Obed-Edom. And here's the reality is he was a Gittite. He was a Philistine. He was supposed to be on the outside and shunned. But his heart and his passion for the presence brought him in close. No matter how far away you think that you've been or a sinner disconnected from the heart of God, man, when there is that pivot and that turn and you come into the presence, something changes inside of you for real. And you just can't wait to touch the presence of the Lord. It happened all because of his servant heart. He then hosts the Ark of the Covenant inside of his house for three months. And it says that, that the presence of God blessed him and it blessed his household for generations. It all happened because he was willing to serve and to help. Recently, something happened with Bud, and I would like for Bud to come up here and share something that happened with you, Bud. I'm going to grab this microphone. And you got to experience some pretty neat, I'm not sure which one I got here, Mitch, some pretty neat service taking place here in our community. Would you share yeah, if I don't fall off of this. Which way? Let's just, you just want to do this? You want to go here? It's crazy. Yeah. Well, this past Tuesday, we, uh, we were driving by the Legion out here on 26 and uh, seen a water leak or what we thought was a, a sewer that was plugged up. And, uh, you know, we didn't think much about it. And so I sent some guys down to unplug the sewer and, uh, found out it was a water leak. And the water leak was so significant that uh, we just didn't know how to handle it. And so me and Robert, we were running around. He was trying to get some leadership from me, and I kind of like a chicken with a head cut off. Um, I was checking the clear well in the tower to make sure we had enough water there. And then I was trying to shut down valves, and Robert was helping me with that and, and trying to keep some water from flowing to that area. Um, it just wasn't going well. This was 10.30 or so when it started. Um, and then after 
a little while, I figured the, the thing was bigger than I was. So I called a, a really good friend, <laughs> Steve Deal, and uh, asked him to come out and take a look at things and see if he could help me. Um, then I called Denny Mahoney at the same time because Denny was longtime servant for Fairmount uh, Water and knew the water plant like no other. Um, it just wasn't getting anywhere. Continued to check the clear well and the levels in the tower, and we were we were losing. And uh, Roberts continuing to to direct some other guys, but we're all kind of in a confused state because until you get direction, you really have no no purpose in what you're doing. Um, so I finally, after several hours, went up to the clear well here up, up here at the municipal checked my levels. I was gaining just a little bit with the adjustments that we made out in the system. And as I come out of the water plant, I ran into a friend of mine, Ty Seward, and his son, Caden. He's sitting right up here. Um, we've been friends for a long time. And uh, I just, he sits right here usually. So I thought, man, this is a great chance to get prayer or pray with somebody over it. And I asked Ty to pray with me, and he said, let's do it right here, right now. And so he continued, he just started praying, and he blessed everything from the pump to the hose to, the, to every person that was down there. Uh, he just had a presence of mind of the clear well and the tower. And he asked God's blessing on, on this job that it would start to go smoothly and not so confusing. So... Man, I thanked him, and uh, yeah, thank you, Ty. I didn't know what to do. This is my first year as a superintendent, and as Steve's put the standard, we don't shut the water off very often. Um, as soon as I walked away from there, I felt the covering of the Lord, and I started to see where there was confusion with me and Robert, uh, and Steve's seen the confusion. Um, I called Gas City. Gas City was over. Uh, they were standing around looking for direction. And as I started to come back in, um, Aaron Psalms, is he here? Aaron, Aaron was out there, and, and he could see the confusion also. But as I started headed down there, I, things started getting bright. It wasn't me that got bright. It was men that stepped up and became men, and men that stepped into the roles that they're good at. Uh, so... So Robert's taking this, a guy from Gas City named Scott Oliver says, you got to dig deeper. We have to see this thing in order to get it. So we dig deeper, um, and he's exactly right. As soon as we seen it, we knew how to deal with it. Aaron jumps in with Robert, and they hold this tool that we've made to go around the main and plug off that, that water just for a little bit. And Aaron just stands up there on that thing and just holds it down with all of his might. We couldn't even get the thing on there. It was pushing it out of the way. Robert would get in front of this leak, and it would just knock him down, put him out of the way. Because um, we're talking six, 600, 700-gallon a minute probably through that leak. Um, I wanted to shut the water tower down. guy from Gas City, Scott Oliver, says, we ain't shutting this down. We're going to fix it. We're going to fix it live. And... I just, I needed, I needed leadership, and because of God's covering, men started being men, so, and that leak got fixed in short order after that. Come on, man. That's <laughs>
My point of wanting to share that story is it takes a tribe. It takes a village. And you need people. We need all hands on deck. We need everybody to jump in to this thing. And it's overwhelming, and the, and the river is flowing, man. And we need as many people as possible to jump in here and help. And he says, this was the moment where men became men. Is that cool? And I'll tell you, church, we're, we're in a moment. And the river is flowing. And we need servants to become servants. We need people to step into these places. And it's all hands on deck. And you know what? For some people, it looks like you dive into the hole. For others, it looks like you're in the machine. For others, it looks like you're the prayer covering. For others, it looks like you're diving into nursery. For others, it looks like you're teaching one of the children's classes. For others, it looks like you're going to be a part of uh, like Obed-Edom, part of the worship and music. And for others, it looks like you're the gatekeeper and you're the door uh, keeper. For others, it looks like, right? It takes a massive movement to do that. But what I also like is for you to stand up here and honor and celebrate your team. Whenever you're the leader of a team, people, this is what's interesting, especially the difference between a servant and an employee. Employees, they'll stay around for a boss that they don't like because they'll stick around for a paycheck. But servants want to give their heart to a mission that they believe in and to a person that inspires their heart to give, the, I, I want to give my life to something that's worthy of it. Give me a mission. Stir and provoke my heart so that we can be all in on giving ourselves to something that truly matters. If you can follow me, Shane, I want to drip, uh, drop down to 2 Chronicles chapter 25. Verse 24, he, meaning David, he took all of the gold and the silver and all of the articles that were found in the temple of God that he had been in care of, who's this guy? Obed-Edom. He just happens to still be around. Together with the palace treasures and the hostages, and they returned to Samaria. Isn't it interesting that Obed-Edom just finds himself that he's always around? There's so many different passages. I'm going to skip through them here. I'm going to move down. John 14, verse 12, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, you will do the works that I do, and you will do greater works than these, because I'm going to be with my Father. I think, Jesus, man, what are greater works than what you did on the cross? What are greater works than you raised the dead, that you made the blind see, that you healed the lame man, and now he walks? What do you, what do you mean by by greater works. And he goes, well, what greatness is, the greatest among you is the servant of all. And if you want to do some pretty great things in the kingdom, become the servant. If you want to become excellent in the kingdom, you become the servant of all. Some of the things that we need, and I'll just make an appeal, especially as it comes to this children's ministry that just will not stop growing. Some of the things when you help out with our children's ministry, it helps our kids transition into a church where they feel comfortable and maybe they're seeing their own mom and dad sitting with them in this, in this class. That helps them. We have a need in our nursery to come and help with our babies. We need a need in all of our classes 
for, for being in classes is where you begin to teach lessons. And maybe for some people that could be scary and you don't want to start out by being the teacher. You can start out by being an assistant and just slowly, it's just a slow on-ramp to getting involved. But I'll just encourage you with this, that if your children are involved in these ministries, jump in and help serve in these ministries that your children are a part of. It's a great way. It's a great way for you to help start. If we want to embrace the term servant as our identity, servant is not something that you do. A servant is who you are. And servanthood is not just a position. It is a mindset. In this house, we could celebrate a hundred different servant hearts, servants of the year. But I'll tell you this, Gail and Phyllis Hickety, Vicki Carey, Terry Stroop, Dustin and Melissa Musselman, and 250 others are giving their lives to a mission that matters, to impact a community. And we're grateful for it. Church family, I just want to pray over us, and I want you to consider, Jesus, where is it that you want me to go a little bit deeper? Where is it that you are asking me that I need to step in one more place? Where is it that I need to step in for the first time and begin to serve? Perhaps God's been putting it on your heart that, hey, I would really like for you to be a part of this ministry. Perhaps he's putting it on your heart that there's just more room for impact. Maybe it's meeting with a group of women. Perhaps it's, it's becoming a mentor for a handful of young men. Perhaps it's diving into a life group or men's or women's group. Who knows what it is, but I just believe that there's probably more. There's probably more that he's got for you. And the heart of a servant just says, yes, here am I. Use me. As we close here this morning, I want to pray over us. Church family, would you stand with me? And as we get ready to dismiss, I would just like for all of our Servant Heart recipients to come up here. We want to get a picture with you. And also all of the family members of our Servant Heart recipients, please stay and come up here. We want to get a picture with all of the families. Jesus, we honor you. We thank you that you set the standard of how to be a servant and to lay your life down. We do honor you, and we do celebrate you. We thank you that you're faithful and that you're good this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. Grateful you were with us today. Be sure to subscribe and rate us so other people can know about the podcast. Join us on a Sunday morning in Fairmount, or find our live stream on YouTube, our website, fairmountfriends.church, or our church app on Tithely. See you soon. Thank you.